Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. So I want to preach a message today. Is that all right? It's, it, it's, it's 9.51. So it, it might seem funny. Many of you guys are in our destiny groups. And you know, part of the destiny groups, at least as they are formed presently, is that we go over core values. You know, that's very intentional. You know, core values actually establish the, the culture, right? Core values become the, you know, they're not just good ideas. They, they, they sit at the core of our, of our being, literally becoming the lenses through which we view all of life. And those lenses create culture. So we're very intentional to teach on core values because it creates culture here. What we would suggest is, is kingdom culture. You know, that's the book. If you've been in those uh, destiny groups, that's the book that we, that we go off. The core values that you look at are largely similar, if by another name in some cases, to Harvest's core values. Uh, but with all of that said, I, I just, it, as much as we hit core values, I just kind of felt like in times like this, I, I feel just often I have been prompted you know, to just reset core values, to go after it again, to kind of go, hey guys, like, this is who God is, this is who we are, this is how we look at life. You know, and the first, va- the, first core, the first core value that we have here at Harvest is the Father heart of God. The Father heart of God. So you can see somebody amazing put that together. Those are all of our core values. We should give a hand to that guy because he worked hard on that. You're so good, but I was teasing. <laughs> Although I do like it. Somebody might use that someday. You know, our first value is, the, is the, the Father heart of God. The reason it's our first value is because it's so incredibly critical that we have a right view of God. Like, how many of you know if you have a wrong view of God, you're going to come to a plethora of wrong conclusions? Right? And so, so this right view of God, the Father heart of God, by the way, Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. That right? was part of what he actually did in his earthly ministry. I would encourage you to go back through the Gospels and replace the name of Jesus with Father God. You want to know who Father God is? Replace the name of Jesus with that because the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was the exact representation of his Father in heaven. You want to know how Jesus, you want to know how Father God feels towards you? Do you want to know how Father acts towards sinners? <laughs> go back and review the Gospels, replace the name of Jesus with Father, and allow it to just break your heart all over again. <laughs> allow it to re-endear you to a really, really, really exceedingly beyond, we could ask or think, good Father. Allow it to reignite you and your passion and your love for Him, which then, the Bible tells us, overflows in the way that we interact with others, isn't it? If we love God, we will love we all right? Because you didn't answer the question. That was a, that was, I was posing that for you. <laughs> I know, Todd's gotten you really off track. You know, he, just, he, just, he preaches different, better, and so you've, just, you've lost your way here. You know, <laughs> we, we love God, we love people. That people is the expression of our, of our love for God. If you hate your brother, your vertical relationship's out of sync. They are so inextricably... Link. This is a critical view. Think about this. Have you guys, uh, has anybody ever seen the, the movie, it's old now, Bruce Almighty? You know, I, so many of you have, some of you were like, no, it's sacrilegious. And I, I honestly thought that in the beginning as well, and it probably is on some levels, you know, and I refused to watch it for a period of time until I did and then laughed really hard, probably cried a little bit somewhere in the middle. It's hysterical. 
It's absolutely hysterical. And, and Bruce, you know, obviously in the movie he gets an opportunity to be God, but the reason that he gets into that situation is because throughout the movie he's blaming God for everything bad that happens in his life. It's terrible. I'm your target. Everything's going wrong. And you, almighty God, can do something about it. And you're not. He's a big victim, right? Everything's going wrong. And God, being God, he's at the center of it, obviously. And his core belief system comes out in this massive accusation against God as he's standing in the middle of the street at the end of himself. Smite me, almighty smiter! <laughs> I've been studying. I'm an understudy for Jim Carrey, you know. I hope you can see that coming out. <laughs> you know, but, you know, if we, if we believe that God has favorites and that somehow we've never made the list, guys, we're, we're always going to be victims as what was demonstrated in that movie. You know, and we're never going to take the faith steps necessary because we never believe truly in the goodness of God. You understand, if we, believe that he, if, he, if we believe that he has favorites out there and that, and that I'm not one of them, I, I don't believe in the goodness of God over my life. And if I don't believe in the goodness of God in my life, that means I, I don't trust God. And if I don't trust God, I will never step into my destiny by faith. How many of you know sometimes there are roadblocks to your destiny? Right? Like, can I just submit to you that not every roadblock that you face on the journey to your destiny is God standing in the way? It's not, it's not God standing in the way. And we have a very real enemy in the unseen world. We have a very real enemy. The Bible calls him the God of this world, a world that's been corrupted through sin, a world we call a fallen world. It's corrupted by sin. Stuff happens. It's not always God standing in your way. You're not a victim to that. But if you believe that he picks favorites, you'll always be a victim to that, and you'll never be able to take the necessary steps. You know, if we believe that God is, this is a common belief, if we, if we believe that God is the, the grand punisher in the sky, you know, he carries that staff around with him. Secretly, he's, the, he's like, like Thor. He just pulls off the bottom of it and like lightning bolts shoot out of the staff. You know, because he's waiting actually on a cloud watching. He's roaming to and fro for somebody that he can squash because they've gotten off track just a little bit. Or that's a load of malarkey. And that actually doesn't describe God at all. But how many of you know most, not most, but many people believe that God is the almighty smiter, just like we heard in Bruce Almighty. He's standing. He's just waiting for you to trip up. And he has this big club, and he's just going to beat the dickens out of you the moment that you do. Boy, don't you know, if that's your view of God, you're probably going to hide in shame. Like, oh my goodness. And it probably, you'll, it, it, it'll bring, like, if, if your view of God is that he's the, he's the mighty smiter, like, like you're not probably going to draw near to him, as the Bible admonishes, to, uh, admonishes us to do. You're, you're probably going to actually get disconnected from him. Do you realize that? We're talking about the wrong view of God here. How many of you know you'll come to all kinds of other conclusions too, like, hmm, something that we often hear... Like, God sent that tsunami to swallow up all of Indonesia. Indonesia? Indonesia? Does that sound right? It sounds like I'm saying somebody has amnesia. <laughs> Indonesia. It sounded wrong for a minute. You ever say something that's right and it sounds wrong? 
You ever type something and you forget how to spell it and all of a sudden you're like, ah, Misty, what, is this how you spell that? Is this how you spell the word the? It doesn't look right. You know, anyway, that was one of those moments. Yeah, we start, if we believe that God is the mighty punisher in the sky who's waiting for any opportunity to unleash like, all of his wrath upon the earth, then we're going to view every natural disaster like it's the punishment of God against sinners. Jesus, you know, Jesus personally refutes that. Were those who the tower fell, were they any more sinners than anybody else? No, it was just a freak accident. Pray for their families. See, we'll come to all kinds of wrong conclusions about who God is. By the way, in case it's not clear, we're in the season called the uh, season of reconciliation. Jesus handed you a baton for ministry, every one of you in here. And he said, you are now ministers of reconciliation. Well, what is that, Lord? What does that mean? Uh, It defines it in the chapter. Uh, your, Your job is to not count their trespasses against them, but to bring them into reconciliatory, like bring them into relationship with Father God, allow Holy Spirit to work stuff out. Do we disciple? Of course we disciple. But we're in a season of reconciliation. Jesus said himself, he didn't come to judge the world right now. Oh, mind you, there will be a day. But now is not it. But if God is the mighty smiter in the sky, how many of you know you will misinterpret the season that we're in, the period of time and the ministry that God is entrusting to us? That's good, Pastor. That's really good. <laughs> I got to encourage myself extra these days. You know, if you, if you believe that God is a liar and unfaithful. Now listen, most of us are not going to be like, you're a liar, except in moments perhaps you've called him that. Most of us intellectually will be like, yeah, I know that you're not a man that you should lie. I've read that scripture. But you didn't show up when you said you were going to. So I don't know how to process that. You didn't do what I expected you to do. How many of you know, if you believe that God is in here, not here, but in here, is a liar and is unfaithful, you will come to wrong conclusions when he doesn't do precisely the thing that you think that he ought to do. Uh, Might I remind you, he's God, he knows the beginning from the end. You're not. You have a finite perspective, you have no idea what's going on in your world, literally, you think you do, you don't. He sees everything. I'm going to go with he's right and probably I'm not most of the time. <laughs> Fair? Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, he knows the bright perspective and I'm doing the best that I can to try to catch up. But if he's a liar and he's unfaithful, if I believe that, I'm going to come to the wrong conclusions when I interact with him. If we believe that God set the world on autopilot... Maybe some of us in here believe that. And it's like, you know what? I created the world. I called it good. I did a great job. <laughs> this thing looks great. You people screwed it up. You people fix it. You know, he's just hanging out on a cloud someplace, looking over, going, good golly, I wish these people would get their act together. I'm not going to help them. <laughs> I'm aloof. I'm a distant God. I'm not the God who draws me. I'm not God Emmanuel. I'm the God from afar who's judging from a distance. If we believe that God just hit autopilot on the world, we're, we're not going to connect with him as the intimate daddy, you know, 
the, the daddy God that he's actually portrayed himself as. We're, we're not going to go after relationship with him. After all, why would we? He's distant. He's far from me. I, I can't really connect with him. I don't understand him. I, yeah, I can't even hear him. He doesn't talk. Why would he even talk to me? He's aloof. Couple that with, and I'm not his favorite, and we got a real recipe for disaster, don't we? How many of you know that our view of God has implications on the way that we interact, on the way that we deal with him? In many cases, it has implications on our intimacy with him. Out of all of the things that God could have said about himself to reveal his character and nature, why did he choose Father? Have you ever thought about that? You know, we're talking about the God of the universe, infinitely creative. He knows what he's doing. Wouldn't you agree that if God's doing something, that it's intentional, that it's on purpose? God doesn't stumble into anything by accident. It's not like, oh, man, that was better than I thought. Like, that was, that was a good move. Jesus, good work, man. Like, I didn't see that one coming. It's probably not how it's working in the Trinity in heaven, right? It's like, you know, he knows what he's doing every time. He's spot on every time. He's intentional every time. He's perfect every time. And he chose to reveal himself as a father. Isn't that telling? We don't understand, I think, the significance of that. Because, hey, you know what? After all, he could have called himself CEO. You know, he could have called himself supreme leader. I like that one. Yes, supreme leader. You know, how many of you know that what he calls himself has implications? If it's CEO, I relate to him as a, as a subordinate employee, right? Doing his bidding, uh, you know, like uh, my performance now is, is always on the table, right? If God is CEO, it's, it's all about my performance. Like I have to actually perform at a certain level or, you know, he's going to kick me out of the company. Again, I'm asking the question, how many of you know that a right view of God is critical for the way that we relate to him. He did not call himself CEO or supreme leader. He called himself father. Why would he do that? Because everybody in this room can relate with that. Let me restate it. If God revealed himself as a father, do you think it was intentional that he did so? Uh, do you think that it was with perfection that he did so? Do, do you think that he was missing stuff when he did so? Or is, in that term, was he perfectly communicating precisely what we human beings needed to know so that we had a right view of God and we related to him rightly? We understood that. We have a context for that. We're not going to miss it. I get it. You're father and I'm son. You're father and I'm daughter. I have a grid for that. I, I, I get it. I, I have a context for that because we were all born into a family. And, and let me add this. Uh, if you have, haven't had a good modeling of fatherhood in your life, I get it. I understand that. But every single person, no matter how garbage your father was, knows what a good one looks like, don't you? <laughs> Make no mistake about it. You know the good from the bad, don't you? You're like, oh, you know, that guy. I heard a story this last weekend where a, a, a father had gotten physical with his son. And, you know, the end of that story is that he ended up jumping on top of the kid, you know, one of these kind of numbers. Uh, is that good? Is that what a good father would do? No, it's kind of the opposite, right? It looks a little bit more like Josiah walked up to the front row and I'm like in the middle of my own worship, I'm interrupting that to say, hey, what are your needs, son? What do you got? Oh, I just wanted to, oh, okay, there's your hug. That's, oh, that's great. I, this is good for me and you. This is great, right? Like that's a good father. The guy who's beating the stuff out of his son, that's a bad one, 
right? See, here's the thing. God actually designed you and expected that you would understand the difference. And we get caught into this place where we have this lofty theological headedness where we go, well, God's ways are not my ways. God's thoughts, they're not my thoughts, except that the Bible actually refutes that in the New Testament when it says that you have the mind of Christ. (laughs) Never mind that. We're actually talking Old Testament versus New, just so that was clear to you. But that's what we grab onto. God's thoughts, his ways are not mine. How could I comprehend? So that means when God actually kicks some dirt in my wound and punches me in the face, and one morning when I wake up and he's actually on my chest with his fist in my eye, well, that's God being good to me. I'm just so small that I can't recognize a difference. Yeah, you know what? That's also malarkey. God designed you. In fact, he quite specifically says that it's the mature who through practice have sharpened their, what? Senses to discern, what? Good and evil. Wait, so what you're saying is that I have the ability to discern good in my life and good and bad as it's contrasted, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> are you getting this? We can't latch onto this, your ways are higher than my ways. And listen, I'm not even beginning, I don't, I, like I have the mind of Christ, the Bible says that, but I'm still in a journey of faith and acquiring and putting that on, okay? Like I have not even, not supposing to you even for a second that I've arrived and I'm like, oh yeah, my thoughts are his thoughts, that's the way it is. But what I'm suggesting to you is that he's invited me into partnership, he's invited me into relationship, he's invited me into this place where he is actually sharing his thoughts with me. Where we, he's inviting me into dialogue. He's inviting me into to relationship with him. He's expressing his heart to me. And he has designed me to be able to discern the difference between good and evil. Even as it applies to him. Even as it applies to him. See, I'm here to tell you that God is really good. He's really good. And he was super intentional when he called himself a father. Super intentional. And in our heart of hearts, we know exactly what that means. Listen to this out of Galatians chapter 4. And I'm sorry for the, for the line. It's a template issue. Why they put a line that I can't delete is beyond me. But there you go. I'll submit my, the rest of my complaints to you a little later. <clears throat> Starting in verse 4. But when the fullness of time came... God sent forth his son, that's Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now listen to that. Jesus redeemed us so that we would become sons and daughters. That's a big deal. Jesus redeemed us so that we would become sons and daughters. Ladies, listen. When the Bible says sons, he's talking about daughters. Okay? So let that be clear. If you hear me say sons and I somehow exclude daughters, I'm not excluding daughters. It's just the language. Okay? This includes you. Sonship is daughtership. Daughtership is just a weird thing to say because it's like apparently it never worked itself into our culture. I guess perhaps we've oppressed women for far too long. (laughs) Anyway, verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, that word Abba is the word daddy, in effect, in our culture. It's an intimate description from a son to a father. Daddy. Boy, that just changes everything. It's not some aloof guy in a distance. Father. Um, yes, father. Uh, by chance, do you have the great poop on? You know? And by the way, just so we're clear, he's not the great poop on me. 
Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> it's an intimate term. Therefore, you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Wow, he's, he's not only revealing himself as a father, but he's revealing us as sons and daughters. And we've got to get our heads around just how absolutely and utterly significant that is. And as I've already posed, this is how God expects us to relate to him. This is how I'm supposed to see him. He's expressing his heart with this attribute or this title, Father. He's expressing the way I'm to interact with him. Boy, I tell you, I, you know, my, I'll use my own family, my own intimate family. It's probably a better example. But boy, the way that I interact with my children, <laughs> can I just say it's different than the way I interact with all you? Can, can I just submit to you that my children have access to me that you will never have? You okay with me saying that? <laughs> well, you have to be, so. But they do. Honestly, if one of you guys walked through my front door and you were like, hey, pastor, what's going on? You went straight to my fridge. I'd be like, what in the heck is happening right now? I'd be calling Joe, who's on my security team, and be like, hey, bro, listen, we got a problem. Somebody just, I don't even know, your dad just busted up in this place. He's like, he'd just gone nuts. I don't even know. When my kids walk through the front door, hey, dad, what's up, and walk to the fridge, I'm like, hey, uh, last night's Chinese is on the bottom right. You know, and, uh, and mom just got some new soy sauce, and there's a batch of rice. We just cooked it up last night, so you can have some extra there. If you need something else, just let me know. I'll toss some of those things in the air fryer, man. We'll just, you know, we'll get it. <laughs> you know, John probably has more favor. He can walk in and do it every once. But, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? When God revealed himself as father and, and, and us as sons and daughters, that, that means something significant. That means I have access to everything that's his. Did you see the last part? That now I'm an heir? Not in error, but I'm an heir. I'm going to say it right. That's the problem with the English language. I'm an heir. Everything he has is mine. I didn't earn it. Think about that. They just, they just grafted me right in. I didn't earn it. I, like, I, I don't even have to warm up to the idea. Think about this. I don't even have to warm up to the idea. I just get to bust into heaven and be like, hey, Dad, what's up? Where's the fridge? I, got, I need some resources. And he's not going to be like, listen, you haven't earned that right yet, son. We haven't established that kind of relationship. You need to take some time and build. No. He's adopted me right here. He's already, he, already, he already said, you got full access. You're my son. You're my daughter. What, what you want, what, is something missing in the fridge? Because I'll head to the store right now. Make sure you got everything that you need. Are you getting this? This is a big deal. Let's look at a few attributes from fathers. I think, yeah, we've got plenty of time to be able to do that. Bottom line is this. Fathers love their kids. Is that right? Good ones. Obviously, everything I say is you know, predicated on the reality that we're talking about good ones, not bad ones. We know what a bad one looks like. Yeah. Right. Bottom line is this. Fathers love their kids. You know that fathers don't wish harm on their children? But you know what else? They wouldn't inflict harm on their children either. Let that settle in just for a second. Fathers, good fathers, would not wish harm on you, nor would they inflict harm upon you. So the next time somebody says that they're laying hold of their sickness because God sent it to sharpen their character, to discipline them, or what we would call punish, you have right to question. See, I, I want you to just, you know, we just talked about, like, you, you, you have the ability to discern good and evil, right? We talked about that. And here's a great uh, metric 
to use to judge what's happening in your world. If an earthly father did it, and it's considered abusive, pretty safe bet that your heavenly father, who's exponentially better than the earthly ones, wouldn't do that to you. We all right? What do we, what do we, call, I mean, what do we call a father who puts sickness on a kid? What would we do? What would we do if some dad had a, uh, I don't even know, this is probably going to sound really stupid, I don't know, a, a, a vial full of AIDS? I don't even, like, whatever that is, I don't know what it is, I, I am ignorant, but I'm just, you get the point. And then while his son was sleeping, injected it in there, because this is going to build character in you, son. Listen, I'll be the first one to drag that dude out of there, because that's abusive. That's abusive. We would call the authorities, that guy would go to jail, and we would all stand around clapping. Yes. We hope somebody gets him when he's in there, too. Okay, I'm joking a little bit. Just, it's meant to be a little bit extreme for the comic relief. So calm down, Poisters, okay? I would have thought of all people you would have got it. But, you know, sometimes you just have to go a little extra in explaining. Yeah, if it's abusive for a human being to do it, then it would be abusive for the Almighty God to do it. It's a pretty good metric. Keep that one in your back pocket. <laughs> a good father takes care of his kids. You know, obviously, to take care of someone, that, that would include finances, doesn't it? If I'm taking care of my kiddos, it's, you know, in fact, the Bible admonishes us saying that if we don't take care of our own family, we're no better than an unbeliever. It's kind of a big thing to say, right? So a good father would take care of their children. They provide for them financially. You know, to the best of our ability, we're putting a, a roof over their heads. We're providing food that we put on the table. We're putting clothes on their backs, you know, and Father God admonishes us with this. He says, guys, listen, don't worry about all these things. And he constantly contrasts that. You've got to get that, that it's a contrast, not a comparison. He contrasts himself with earthly fathers all the time. He's like, you guys understand what it means to be good on some measure, but in contrast, I am immeasurably better than that. Like you inherently know that, like what it looks like to be to be good, and you try to give good gifts to your kids, and you try to provide for your kids, and yeah, that's 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 great. But I, I, Almighty God, I'm infinitely better than that. He's constantly actually contrasting himself with us as earthly fathers. He's perfect in all of his ways. He knows exactly what he's doing. He provides with extravagance, and he says to us, he says, "Don't don't worry, don't worry about all of these things. Just keep yourself fixed on me, the Author and the Finisher." Keep your eyes fixed on your, on your Savior. Like, seek first the kingdom. All these other things, all, they'll be added to you. Like, like, don't get yourself all bent up in a knot. Like, my, my Father who, who knows even when a single sparrow falls from the sky. My, my Father who clothes the lilies of the valley in glory. and He takes care of them though they don't toil or spin. How much more will He take care of you? Don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it even for a second. I got you. Why? Because I'm a really good dad. And really good dads provide. Really good dads see the junk. Really good dads protect and they cover. Really good dads are looking for solutions because they see what's coming. They're already looking for solutions. They're already figuring stuff out. How many of you know God's already got your situation figured out? Whatever it is that you're doing. What if I find myself in need? 
It's like, okay, that's great that you said God's a good provider, but I got bills to pay, and, you know, some of those aren't getting done. You know. Would an earthly father cut their kids off and boot them out of the house outside of the covering of their provision for no reason at all? A good one? Remember, that's what we're... No, of course they wouldn't. No good father would do that. That wouldn't make sense in a million years, nor would your father in heaven do that to you. So if you're finding yourself in need, maybe there's something else going on. You know, we, we have this earthly concept that's like, hey, as long as you're under my roof, man, I'm, gonna, I'm covering it all, right? How many of you have had the college conversation? Hey, as long as you're under my roof and you're in college, I got you, I got you. But when you step out on your own, what, what do we usually say as good parents? If you step out from underneath my roof, you're, you're, you're that much more independent. Like you're going to have to start figuring some things out on your own. I'm not going to take care of everything anymore because you've just transitioned to that phase, right? But what would that represent? Stepping outside of the covering of the roof that I'm providing and the spirit would actually represent sin. How many of you know I can step outside of the covering of God's, I can step outside of God's covering into my own thing? We see that in the story of the prodigal. He stepped outside of the provision of the father due to his own independent sinful behavior. Good news is the covering's still there. He just needed to go back. He just headed the wrong direction is all. Does this make sense? You find yourself in need. Maybe there's something else going on. I'm not saying it's always sin. I'm just saying that as a simple example. I don't have the rest of the day to give you all the rest of the story. So you'll have to add some things on your own. Is that all right? Yes, Pastor, that's great. We love you. Thank you. I appreciate that extra. <laughs> Fathers want their kids to be successful. Is that right? We want our kids to go further than what we do. We want them to, to meet their potential. We want, we want them to, you know, we want, them to, we want them to do better than we did. Am I wrong? You know, in every way, we're like, I want them to know. I'm just, I'll just speak from my own heart. I mean, I want my kids to know Jesus better than I did, to have more results. You know what I mean? Like, like if, I, if I lay hands on the sick and see 50% of them recover, like, I'm just, I'm like, I'm going for 100% for my kids. I want them to outshine me. I want them to go further than what I could go. I want them to be more blessed financially than what I'm, that's why I'm, like, talking about school and what are you going to do and how are you going to position yourself and go talk to Joe. He's a good businessman. He's got some things figured out. Like, like we're, talk, we're having these conversations. Why? Because I want them to be set up financially. I want them to think about their future. I want them to make good decisions now that set themselves up for down the road so that they're not caught unaware, right? I want them to prosper. I want them to do better than what I did. I don't want them to make my mistakes. Listen, how much more does your heavenly father who literally created you, you know, you didn't pick your personality. You didn't pick your gifts and talents. God picked those for you. It says that, that, that God has literally set aside good works for you to walk in. God has designed some things for you. There's nobody on God's green earth or in heaven who wants you to step into your calling, like into your destiny more so than the Father in heaven. Like he is your biggest advocate. He knows what your potential is with him. He knows that you can do all things. He wants you to step into the all things. He's desperate for over you. He's an advocate. He's your biggest advocate. He's for you. He's not against you. And listen to this. He didn't create you for failure, nor does he put failure upon you. No, God doesn't cause you to fail. He doesn't desire for you to fail anywhere, everywhere. 
In fact, the Word tells us that He's already given us everything that we need for life and godliness. That pretty well covers it, doesn't it? He doesn't want you to fail. He's already provided for you. If He didn't spare His only Son, Jesus, how will He not with Him also give you all things? <laughs> this God, I'm telling you, this immensely better than we can think. God is for you. He's not against you. There's no one who's a bigger advocate of you making it into your destiny than our Father in heaven. Fathers give good gifts to their kids. Is that fair? You know, my kids, they, they love shoes. I, you know, listen, they're over there. I'm going I'm to look over here now because I don't even want to make eye contact with them because they are so messed up. There's something wrong with my children. They like the shoes, they're, and the reason is because they have this little swoosh on the side of them. Oh, it's not because they're comfortable, because they last longer. It's just because they look cool. But, you know, the problem with looking cool is that it costs money. It costs money to look cool. You know, I, 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 quite frankly, I think it's a waste of money. I could care less about those Nike Jordan shoes. Maybe when I was, you know, 12, I would have wanted some. But we were poor, so we didn't have Jordan shoes, you know. No, not that business. No, I could care less as their father about those shoes. You know what I get them, though, when Christmases and birthdays come? I get them Jordan shoes. That's right, we bougie. Why would I get them something that I could literally care less about? Because they care about it. You know, sometimes we just overly formalize our relationship with God. And it's like, well, uh, I, I just, I'm going to take issue with that theologically. You know, God's, God's not going to give you anything that is not his will. He says if you pray and you ask for something, as long as it's in alignment with his will, then, then you'll, so, you know, you can't expect to get your Jordan shoes. That's ridiculous. You wouldn't. God wouldn't do that. You know, that's just not been my experience. What's the will of God anyway? The will of God as it relates to being a really good father, in this context, is to put a smile on your face. See, because in, in, inherently, God, having created all of us, he knows that all of us actually have, no matter what your test shows, we have this little love language called gift-giving and receiving. And he likes to push that button. Why? Because he's the best and the biggest giver, receiver that there ever was. He loves it. He loves it. Does he care about Jordans? And I think he care less about Jordans. But he cares about you. He cares about you. <laughs> Sorry, I'm blissed not everywhere. It's, it's anointed, so it's a good. <laughs> he cares about you. He cares about what you care about. Just don't worship the gift. Don't get entitled. <laughs> but that whole idea that God just gives you like only enough and he'll just give you what you need to limp by, well, that's not my experience. But let's just, let's just weigh it out again. As good fathers, if you had infinite provision, would you give your children just enough? Let's just say your kids are good. They're not spoiled brats, all right? I've got to put a few things in there because I can see your brain's already moving, you know? You got good kids, they're not spoiled brats. You have an infinite amount of money. Are you going to give them just what they need to limp by? Or are you going to give them Jordans because they asked for them? I'm guessing probably every, every dad in here, every mom in here, would probably go for the Jordans. Am I wrong? So if you, <laughs> earthly fathers and mothers, know how to give gifts, give good gifts, how much more 
does your heavenly Father know? I mean, aren't the best gifts, after all, from those people who listened, who know you fairly intimately, and, and they heard you once, you know, like right in the middle of the year, say something off the wall like, oh man, that would be amazing, but I would never pay for that. Isn't the best gift when somebody heard that and they get you that? You're like, oh my gosh, like, how did you even know? Well, six months ago, I heard you say in a conversation and just, I just had it in my heart, I just really wanted to bless you. Why? Because that's what love looks like. <laughs> and, and if we know how to do that as earthly people, how much more? Does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to you? Boy, it's just not been my experience that he's a miser at all. It's been my experience that he gives me the desires of my heart. It's been my experience that he lavishes on me generosity. And he calls me to keep my eyes fixed. And he calls me to worship him. You understand? Okay, I think you understand. Maybe I'm beating a dead horse here. Fathers give good gifts. Hmm, put the cap back on. Why would you have done that? <laughs> Father God is also our fierce protector. Are we doing okay? Yep. Father God is also our fierce protector. Have you ever had one of those moments when somebody says something or you heard a story that, 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 that had something to do with one of your children? You know, and you were like, <laughs> you're like, do I need to go to school to, right now? Do I need to talk to the principal? Do I need to, who, what, what child do I need to literally break in half? Because I will beat him straight to death. I, and his daddy too. I will take them out. Especially if you've got a daughter and somebody says something about your daughter. Your boy, you're like, okay, bro, you, like, you, you're big. Or you're bigger than, have you seen Elijah? He's bigger than I am. He take care of himself. My daughter? Some boy says something nasty to my daughter. I'm like, let me at him. Why do we do that? What is that? Am I, am I by myself, daddies? Okay, I'm just making sure, because I don't want to say something that's you know, like, wow, you're in left field, man. That doesn't happen to any of us. But where, does, where does that come from? Like, have, you ever, have you ever gotten between a mama bear and her cub? You're like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it's mama bear syndrome, right? Beverly Goldberg. Have you seen the Goldbergs? Anyways, that's, you know. <laughs> if you have, you know what I'm talking about. You know, we're, we can be fierce protectors of our, of our children. It's like, don't you mess with my babies. Huh. I'm like, don't, <laughs> don't mess with my babies. <laughs> you know, hurt my babies, I'm going to hurt you, right? I know, I understand. I'm not saying godly things, okay? I'm just saying there's something on the inside that makes you kind of go, oh, like, don't touch my children. I am the fierce protector of my, of my baby. Like, who put that in the bear? Why, why does the bear protect the cubs? Where does it come from? Where does that instinct come from? God, um, who put that instinct in you? Could it be the same guy? <laughs> Could it be God? Now listen, if you puff your chest up from a 38 to a 42 every time somebody looks, like, looks sideways at your kids, so does God. A bit more righteously than what I just described. <laughs> He's your fierce protector. That's how he feels about you. So when somebody says something about you, it hurts God's heart. He doesn't turn a blind eye to it. He's your daddy. He's your fierce protector. It grieves him. When circumstances aren't going your way and it seems like you just can't win, it grieves his daddy heart over you. You need to know that. In the same way that you love your children, God loves you. In the same way that you fiercely protect and guard those children. 
and you want nothing but their best. God fiercely protects and wants nothing but your best. Allow that to reprogram any lies that you've been believing. Allow that to reset the plumb line of truth in your heart. Because he really, really is an amazing, amazing father. Let me just end with this. John 3.16, it says this. <clears throat> For God so loves the world. Did you hear that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. How many of you know that word saved is the word sozo in the Greek? To be saved, spirit, soul, and body. Saved, healed, delivered, to be made whole. Oh, that's a pretty big verse then, isn't it? Jesus so loved the world that he gave up everything to go after you in your heart. It was all based on love. He is the God of love. John tells us he is love. This father, boy, he's better than you realize. Those of you who had the best illustration of that on earth and in your earthly father, he's exponentially better than your father ever thought about being. Your heavenly daddy is genuinely for you. He's so for you that he literally gave up everything to go after you, to reconcile you back to himself. He gave everything for you. There is no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life. There is no greater love than this. And listen, break the lie that he's an aloof God because this wasn't a one and done. Oh yeah, you did that. I believe that. That's great. But then you've abandoned me, Lord. No, he has not abandoned you. Bruce Almighty, he has not abandoned you. He is the God who's for you, who is with you. He's the God who wants you to step into your destiny more than anyone else. He's your advocate, your fierce protector. He's the lover of your soul. And if you are in here and you've just gotten to a place where you're just like, man, circumstances in my life have brought me to this point where I don't even know anymore. I, I, I don't trust that. We want to invite whoever is available for the prayer ministry team even just to come on forward because we want to pray with you we want to help to reset that in you this morning. Like, no, let's break those lies off that you've been believing. But on the other hand, if you're in here and you have just gotten to a place where you are genuinely apostate in your faith, you're like, nope, I've just turned my back on God and I've been walking the other way because I'm upset about some things that I don't understand, and, you know, and you've maybe judged God as something other than what we've just discussed today. And by the way, this was just the tip of the iceberg. And then we want to pray with you as well. And thirdly, if you're in here this morning and you have never had an opportunity to give your heart to this God of love, we want to extend an opportunity to you this morning. You're not going to reach your destiny without him. There is no way after this life to enter in and get to the Father except through Jesus Christ who laid down his life for you. And we want to be able to pray with you because he is literally the only way. There's no other way. If you're represented in one of those categories, again, we welcome you to come forward. These guys will be here available to pray with you. And with that, let's pray. 
Jesus, I ask that if those folks are there in our audience, that you would stir and move on their hearts right now. They wouldn't be intercepted by conversation, but they would be able to get to the front to fully yield their life and their hearts completely to you. Move on them, we're asking Jesus. Even to those online, we invite you, just kneel down right there in your living room. Confess to your spouse if you have something, you know, confess whatever to somebody who's around. Just, just get yourself right with Jesus. You can do it right there. We don't have to pray for you. We bless you in that. And Father, for the rest of us, if there are things that we've touched on this morning that we just have rearranged in our life, you know, maybe, maybe there's some stuff that's come against us or some things that just didn't go right. It's like you didn't show up in the way that we thought you were supposed to. And we've just begun to believe the lies that the enemy is bombarding us with. Father, would you heal us? We, re- we repent of any wrong view that's on the inside of us. We ask that you would shower us, cleanse us, God. Cleanse us of all of our wrong views of you. Give us a right view. Line us up with your truth. We want to love you and engage with you. We want to have thoughts that are in line with the, with the truth of your word, God. Rearrange the pieces. Redeem the history. Whatever you've got to do, we invite you. Come, Holy Spirit. Overwhelm us. Reorient us. Reestablish us. Draw a line in our heart and drag us across into a new way of thinking about you and interacting with you, God of love. Daddy God of love, the intimate one. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.